1: everybody welcome into the bears illustrated podcast i'm garrett ross joined beside my man Pernay malapati Perne, uh a lot of news man we have a lot to talk to talk about today as we get into this uh but the headliner obviously starts with bob Bowlesby, uh commissioner of the big 12 uh he this is one of those things where i've really felt like it came out of nowhere uh, i don't know if you yeah. feel the same way uh but you know like the, throughout the duration of the the final four, all eyes were really on Bowlesby every time the cameras cut to Kansas's bench, um, and you know he was there, but he he always just seemed, I, I like I don't know, like kind of stale in a sense. You never really saw any emotion coming from him, but you would think that after you have two teams in Baylor. In Kansas who win back-to-back national championships you'd be really excited and also throw in Texas Tech who was in the final four the year before that. Um, mm. As a whole when you think of this move what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you say Bob Bowlesby and think of the job he's done in the Big 12? Yeah no first of
2: all I, I saw that news yesterday and I had to do it double take. I was like, wait, Bob Bowles, retiring. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was surprised, but he's done. I think he's done a great job as big 12 commissioner. He took over in 2012 soon after Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado, and Texas a all bolted. Um, and in that way, it's kind of poetic that he's leaving now right after Texas and Oklahoma bolt. And he brought, he brings in four new schools. Um, but he, he's had to go through numerous stressful situations as the big 12 commissioner. Obviously um, we were hit with COVID that affected everybody, but then the fact that this, this whole new NIL era came in, he said that no one was expecting that. And that was something that like he hadn't planned for as big 12 commissioner. Um, and then he was one of the guys spearheading college football playoff expansion with the committee and he said that the fact that he put in all that effort and it failed and uh, expansion is not going to happen until at least 2026 now, he said that was also stressful on him. And then finally, Texas OU going to the SEC, that's that's just brutal. So he, it's, it's been tough for him.
1: I, I feel like a lot of the time he's been out of the loop on these issues or he's been a step behind the other commissioners when you look at the the, in general across the landscape of football. And and one of the areas that really comes to mind first is when you look at like the ACC, the sec, uh, the big 10, they all come out with their packages, right? Their TV packages. And they created the channels. Um, to me when you're not able to get your, your, I guess your headliner programs on board. Um, that's a problem for me. Like you, you should have, Said Texas Oklahoma, this is how we're gonna do things. Uh, we're gonna have a, a unified Big Twelve network like we're seeing, and we're gonna share the the revenue. Uh, he was mm. he, the, the ultimately the ads the schools were more powerful than him, um, and you settle on the the Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus, which there's pros and cons to it. In my opinion, um, obviously you can see more sports uh, across the board. But the broadcasts are bad. Um, it, it's low quality, and you're not sharing the revenue. I mean, I mean, as a whole, you're getting it for everybody. But Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, they still have like the Texas has the Longhorn Network still, which drove a stake into it. Oklahoma has a deal with Bally's, I believe, where it's essentially their their same thing. Uh, so that was one of the big concerns for me. It, when you think about that situation, oh, yeah. how does that? unfold like like when you look at the what they settled with with espn plus compared to these other deals what are your thoughts on that
2: i think that's the biggest reason that everything that's happened with the big 12 has happened it it comes down to the ego of texas and them wanting to have the longhorn network that's what drove texas a&m out of the conference that's what prevented the big 12 from getting a big 12 network and and the fact that there is no Big 12 network, even though there is ESPN plus the brand name of having something called the Big 12 network, that's just so huge in getting more people to, to watch the Big 12 and getting more fans into the conference. So not having that, I think has seriously hurt the conference. Um, so, so I think that is honestly at the center of this whole thing. And I, I blame Texas for a lot of it. Obviously they don't care. They're going to the SEC now, but it, it's it comes down to that i really hope that once our once this tv deal ends in 2025 i hope that there will be a way to get a new big 12 network shout out cbs maybe do something I, I hope so but we'll see um because that that would be that would be very helpful given the big 12 fans and speaking of that it's it's good on Bolsby's part to to say he's going to be taking off now and retiring now rather than waiting until 2025 so that hopefully the new commissioner can get a head start on working on that.
1: I think another thing, too, and this is more so isolated in a sense uh, for Baylor and TCU, is you have to go back to the year where both of them met. uh, You have an opportunity to play, have one of your teams represent your conference in the uh, college football playoff. And ultimately, you let Ohio State jump you. Uh, there, there was no real fight from Bowlesby's part in that thing, in that situation. Whereas, you know, from the outside looking in, um, if that's Texas or Oklahoma, that that's just never even brought up. You know, I, I think that kind of really. Well, I
2: don't. I don't know if there's much Bowlesby could have done there. I, I think, think you've you got to fight for it, a. though,
1: right? Like, don't you have to fight
2: for it? Yeah. Well, he did. They, like they did implement the Big 12 championship game after that happened. It's so, like he did. But yeah, I guess you gotta, maybe he had to be more vocal about it. Is that what
1: you? Yeah, I to? feel like, and that was a learning point. I feel like he, he took a lot of slack because he didn't really go out and argue the issue. He didn't really, you know, bring it, get Mark Emmert involved. Like, like you you could have escalated the situation, and I think he didn't do that. Uh, and that's really been a dark cloud hanging over him. Really, and, and look, I, you could say, as the Big 12 as a whole, because it really impacted the conference. Everybody lost money in that deal by not having mm-hmm. Baylor or TCU in. But if you're a representative uh, or a fan or anything of, of either one of those programs, that was something that really stuck with you. I know Bob Bowlesby came to Waco and spoke at a. Uh, it so was like a, a chamber of commerce convention or something like that. And uh, that was, he kind of started it off with a joke. Like a lot of y'all were still, it was a Baylor club event. That's what it was. And he, really? he was, yeah. And he was like, I know a lot of y'all are still mad at me, but you can't joke about that. You know, I feel like that's something he never got away from as well. And you know, yeah. the talk about the timing, like, are you, when you think about the timing of this, Mac Rhodes gets a, Nice little extension. And then the next day, Bob Bosby comes out. Actually,
2: so I think Mac Rhodes already came out and said that there's not, like, obviously he's thought about being a conference commissioner, but it's not the same as having, being on a team and having a team to root for. Although yesterday in uh, in Dennis Dodd's article on CBS Sports, Uh he, he listed, he said there was a short list of candidates for next Big 12 commissioner. And he listed like five names. And one of those names was Baylor President Linda Livingstone. Really? Who I was really shocked to see. Yeah, because I've seen that she's she's one of the people going out and trying to find the next Big Twelve Commissioner. But I was I was surprised to see her name on the short list of people who could be the commissioner.
1: You know, that's intriguing. She's done a tremendous job. Her and Mac, I think, are you don't have a better two people running your university as a whole I mean from an athletic standpoint from an academic standpoint than those two that's a, she would be a an interesting candidate, and, and and I think it's cool that she is a candidate. I think she could do has it. The
2: Oklahoma State connection. She played yeah. basketball for them, so she got multiple schools.
1: That's interesting. I haven't thought about that angle. That's a good point. But what I was what I was thinking is, and look, I you can call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever. But all year long, dude, like you would go to to um, these football games to cover the, the games, and you would see balls Bob Bowles be mingling with the Baylor people in particular Mac roads. And I felt like that was a move where Bob was solidifying that Baylor and Mac would be the face of the big 12 along with Oklahoma state. And then once this news well, Baylor announces Mac gets a 10 year extension. And the next yeah. day, Bob Bowlesby says, I'm going to retire. So my thoughts were, does Baylor know something behind the scenes initially? And then, looking back hindsight 2020 was his presence on campus more of he knew this was possibly his last ride and he was grooming trying to get Mac to be his successor
2: or or maybe Linda or Linda
1: that's a good point
2: <laughs> but he said that he said that he made the decision two weeks ago but just wanted to wait until the final four was over to announce it so maybe Baylor knew and Mac knew and that's why they announced the 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 extension right before
1: i mean you gotta think that that, there's no way that that just and and look yesterday jmo uh voice of the bears john morris was supposed to have bob Bowlesby on his show at 1660 espn radio here in waco and the news came down so obviously bob steps aside he's supposed to join jmo today fingers crossed uh we'll get a hold of that um i'll get with jmo and we'll we'll See sample some of that. Uh, it's kind of
2: interesting. He had he was going to be on the show. Yeah, he knew that he was.
1: Yeah, he booked it. Well, Jabo had no clue. He had no clue. No, but Bob yeah, set it up, yeah. I guess. And, and he was like, "All right." I, I, they told the the word was he's got a meeting at three. We'll check afterwards. <laughs> 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 but so that kind of leads into the the, the what we're going to come up and talk about here in segment two. With Baylor winning the championship, KU winning the championship, Texas Tech's been in the mix. You're bringing in Houston. That's one of the expansion schools we've seen with Kelvin Sampson. Ironically, another Mac Road's program that he's set up for success. How does that carry over going forward? Is the Big 12 now a basketball conference? We're going to get into that next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Garrett and Pernay here with you. And uh, as we touched on there at the end of segment one, let's dive into the, the the Big 12 and the future of the Big 12. Right now, man, when you look, I think there's no doubt, there's really no debate over the past, and you can even say three to four years, that the Big 12 Conference as a whole has been the best basketball program in the nation. With the addition of Houston on the horizon, What are your thoughts of the identity shift with Texas and Oklahoma out the door? Is this a league bringing in Cincinnati, bringing in Houston, and and I'm bringing those two up strictly because of their tradition with basketball, where we could see the Big 12 become a basketball-oriented first conference? I'm going to
2: have to say no. Um, The Big 12 won't become a basketball-first conference. Because I think that a basketball conference is one that's not only good at basketball, and r- and right now, while the ACC has a say, the Big Twelve is the best conference for basketball. Um, but it, it would also be one that prioritizes prioritizes basketball, and I don't see the Big Twelve ever prioritizing basketball over football, just because football is the more popular sport. Football is the big money maker, and I don't think there would be a reason to give up. What, the potential of having a football powerhouse just to focus on basketball, which is already really good.
1: See, I I feel like this is going to be a situation where it's not necessarily going to be a choice Uh it, as far as making – you're going to have good football teams, right? I, I, I don't think that we can sit here and say Baylor isn't going to be consistently good. Uh, Oklahoma state has been consistently good, but until we can see somebody step up and really take the torch from Oklahoma, what I mean by that is uh, the Sooners have been in this big 12 championship on a consistent basis, pretty much since they entered the league. And we haven't seen a team other than Oklahoma, Texas has had their runs, Nebraska, Nebraska, at times did, but we haven't seen another team step up and be consistent across the board. I feel like the new additions with BYU and UCF on the football standpoint, it's Cincinnati for that matter, will bring some level of competition in, but it's the brand, right? Like like you're losing two brands, and I feel like the teams that you're adding could make this a situation where you're dominant in the big 12 across the board at basketball, similar to the old big East, the way those teams used to be. But at the same time, is this going to be a situation where while the product might be good on the field, the lack of quote unquote, because we can, we can put it however we want it. The, the college football playoff is going to go off the name on your jersey. It, they'll deny it until you know and we don't know when the expansion is coming right because that got shot down with with the big 12 not having that brand i feel like they're gonna get it it, they're gonna become and unrightfully so a more glorified sunbelt in football
2: wow there's a hot take for you Um. i do i I i do man yeah, I got I got a few responses. First of all, I actually do want to say that while Baylor hasn't been consistent for a very long time, I think Baylor actually has been a consistent football team over the last ten or so years. Because when you look at it, ever since the the Robert Griffin the third year, Baylor's been good. In thirteen and fourteen, they won the Big Twelve. In fifteen, they they were on their way to winning the Big Twelve. And I think they would have made the college football playoff if both Seth Russell and Jared Stidham didn't get hurt. Um, and then the scandal happened, so that that obviously put a dent in things. Things went downhill, but Baylor bounced back really quickly and have been in the Big Twelve Championship Game two of the last three years with two different head coaches. So I think Baylor is going to continue to be successful with its football program, and we'll take that mantle. We'll take the torch from Oklahoma, um, but. Another thing I want to say is that for a conference to be considered a basketball conference, you have to be in a region of the country and have fans that care a lot about basketball and care enough about basketball that they would put that over football. And if we look at the states that the new Big 12 or the states that the schools from the new Big 12 are going to be comprised of, um, Kansas, Kansas is a basketball state. But then we have Oklahoma, which is a football state, and Oklahoma State is a football school. Florida is a football state with UCF. Ohio is a football state with Cincinnati, who just made the college football playoff. Iowa is honestly a football state, um, and Iowa State isn't good enough at basketball to kind of uh, turn that around. West Virginia is a football state. Texas is definitely a football state, And, and Utah is also a football state with BYU. So I think the fact that this is in a region of the country that is football oriented and the fans of these schools have always put football over basketball. We'll keep this a football conference.
1: Okay, my 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 concern and counter and I love this. This is fun as hell is that when you look right now and, and this is strictly on brand, right? And I think that is the issue. And also we got to consider within the next Decade or so. I don't know the the exact date. I forgot the the exact date. But you have the Big Ten getting that contract with all the money, um and the the SEC as well. That's going to change the dynamic. I think that's honestly one of the first dominoes that's going to force the hand of the power. Those uh, like the Big Four conferences, the mega conferences. You know, mm-hmm. because if you have that money, like say the NI, say the that big 10 has more access to TV money. They start generating more money from an NIL perspective. Um, that's going to be more funds. They could delegate to coaches, uh, analysts quote unquote. And we see all the time, right? Like these, these guys that were former coaches in the NFL or Alabama does it all the time, right? Like they'll bring on, um, some random guy from the NFL that got fired or whatever. Well, now he's an analyst. Like if you can pay, I think that's gonna keep those brands. Also, at the same time, if Lincoln Riley does get USC back on track, if Oregon gets back on track, I think Utah is really on the rise as far as a football program. I'm I I would hate to say this, and look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but knowing the 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 history, the track record of the NCAA and how this has been handled since the college football playoff has gone into play without the expansion there, that the Pac-12 has an opportunity because of those, I got Lincoln Riley, I'm USC, to kind of jump the Big 12, whereas the Big 12 right now has that stranglehold ahead of the Pac-12. But once they don't have Texas and they don't have Oklahoma, those brands, I'm afraid that's going to cause a shift, and it's going to force the hand of the Big 12 to have to rely on their basketball to carry the league. Does that make – do you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, that makes sense, but I don't think that basketball makes nearly enough money to actually carry the lead, and for it st- still to be prioritized over football. Um, I mean, even now, I wouldn't consider the Pac-12 necessarily a basketball conference. They're, no, no, they're no. kind of an overall – and they're by far the worst football conference right now. So I don't think that would change things for the Big 12, even if the Pac-12 passed us in football, which, by the way, I I, I don't think they will after these additions, actually. But that's, that's a debate for another day. Um, I just think that the fact that all these fans care more about football, that football makes more money, so the Big 12 is going to continue to prioritize it. And I think there will be a couple football powerhouses in the big 12. I think Baylor is going to become a consistent national contender. And I think that maybe one of Cincinnati or UCF or Oklahoma state will join them maybe like a different school every year, but I think there, they'll, there will always be a couple schools on a national stage, which will keep it a, a football conference. And plus if, if you have equal football and basketball,
1: I think football is that tie. Yeah, I, I, look, I, there's no doubt that, right? Like, football is the pulse of America when it comes to to sports in general. I think it's just completely on a different level here than any other sport. So, yeah, you're always going to have that. I just feel like if, for whatever reason, we get, we find our, ourselves in a similar situation to that, what was it, 2016, I believe, with the Baylor-TCU mm-hmm. debacle 14. Yeah, fourteen, and that starts happening on a regular basis. Uh, we have some concerns, and I, I, I don't know if right now BYU. I, I like when I think of the teams coming in. Obviously, Cincinnati was in the CFP last year, but I, I don't know if if you can bring that stability into like your can you stability. compete? Yeah, can you compete week in and week out? At this level, you know, and and I know that's kind of double edged sword when I'm talking about the the parody, but and how the you're, you're losing the faces or whatever. But Cincinnati's going to have to do that. They're going to have to find a way to to build their roster with, and, and I think that's the key thing for these teams coming in. While Cincinnati has has seen the CFP, while UCF has has been in big games, the depth is what really separates those programs from your power five progress. I think Baylor is just now getting caught up from a depth perspective, especially in the trenches. If you're not deep in the trenches, uh, you are yeah. not going to be successful. Once you get on the big stage, I need to see more and more from those teams. And I don't know how well, how long it's going to take for them to recruit at a level where you can compete week in and week out.
2: Well, I'd say that we have seen these teams compete week in and week out. Um, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame this year. UCF had a win over Auburn in, I think, the Peach Bowl one year. Um, And these Big 12 schools have won big games before. So I I don't think that will be too much of a concern. Like, obviously, the competitiveness might might be something that holds the Big 12 back in terms of where it stacks up within this Power 5 conference dynamic. But I don't think that will completely take it out of the football picture right and I think that I mean I I think that Dave Rand is going to carry this program and put it on the national stage and also just being on the national stage makes you football enough you don't you don't even have to win I think just being on the national stage is enough to be a football conference
1: that's a really good point and that's the difference right now I think that's one of your your saving grace is when you look at this is the head coaches and the the caliber of coaches you do have in this league and, and entering this league, uh, you know Luke Fickle obviously, and I'm drawing a blank on the the BYU head coach's name, but he has done a hell of a job up there. Kalanisitaki. Yes, that dude is dude. He is yeah. a hell of a coach. Uh, Gene Chizik obviously at UCF. So you you and. Houston, you have Dana Hogerson. This is a guy who has won in the Big 12 before and knows how to navigate it. So I think that is going to be one thing that can help this league out as they make this transition. But at the same time, I feel like the cards possibly could be stacked against them. And while it might not be like a long time that this is a basketball conference, I think you're going to continue to see basketball be the most stable thing across the board until those other programs coming in can build their the depth and be able to compete on a national level um, going forward.
2: Do you think potentially getting a Big 12 network would change that at all? I don't I don't think so because
1: you're starting to see more and more avenues of um, these streaming networks, I guess you could say trickle into um, trickle into to sports, right? Like you see Apple TV, believe it's apple or amazon Prime one just cut the deal with um the major league baseball right like they're going to do that you saw al michaels sign a deal with amazon and kirk herbstreet to go and and call nfl games over there i think you're going to see more and more um streaming options which would kind of balance and that's the one thing that's the one positive when you look at the the big 12 now on uh on espn plus is they were essentially the big 12 was essentially streaming before anybody else was so I don't necessarily know that you would need a Big Twelve, a Big Twelve channel to generate more revenue. I think that it would help, but at the same time, I don't think it's the end all.
2: I don't think it's necessarily the end all, but I think it's actually like very important that it happens because, like for example, if I'm scrolling through the channel, if people are scro- scrolling through the channels. They go ESPN, and then they see SEC Network, ACC Network, Big Ten Network, and there's no Big Twelve. network. Yeah. But if there is, they're like, "Oh, like Big Twelve, like I'll check it out," which would draw more viewers and potentially more fans.
1: That's a good point. I think you do need to have one, but and they would they would actually be ahead of the game if they can establish a Big Twelve channel and keep the ESPN Plus streaming thing available. I think you would see the yeah, other like programs. That. Sc- I, I, Scramble is probably not the right word, but mm. reach out and, and start finding streaming options to to get to go along with their established channels. Right, like you're gonna see yeah. more and more SEC teams, Big Ten teams, yada yada. I think you're gonna see more of those games start become streamed. Um, but I think the Big Twelve is in a position where if they went ahead and created a network, they would be ahead mm. of the curve for sure. And I think
2: it would also help to have a media personality as like the face of the big 12 or someone who represents the big 12 in the media like paul feinbaum for the sec great point a guy like a guy like jay Billis for the acc something like that i think that would be very helpful
1: that's a good point i That's that's you know what that we could make that a, a segment one day I, that's an interesting <laughs> t- viewpoint actually now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> All right, man. So we've been talking about it. We've, we've talked about Bob Bowlesby. We've talked about the possibility of the Big 12 in the future. Is this going to be a big uh, a basketball conference or not? The other day, we took a look at the top five quarterbacks coming up in the 2022 season in the Big 12. We're going to dive into the running backs next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast.
0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Garrett Ross, Perday Malapati here with you, and man... All right, we did it the other day. We looked at the quarterbacks. Uh, I want to dive into the running backs right now, man. It, it For me, this was a difficult task, trying to find uh, the top running backs. We are losing a lot of talent uh, at that position in across the conference this year, in uh, particularly in our own backyard with Waco and, and Baylor. Um, I don't know. I mean, Brees Hall – you know, heading out. Letty Brown hit the transfer portal. Uh, Jalen Warren,
2: Zach, Zach Evans at TCU. Yeah, Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma.
1: Dude, it's crazy, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So everyone's bolting. At,
1: do you? How do you want to do this? You want to go? Number, let's go five to one. Let's let's start off with five. At number five, who do you have, and why?
2: So I was considering both Texas Tech and TCU at this position because they have talented guys. But I'm gonna go with Oklahoma at number five. Actually, um, they they have a senior, in Eric Gray, who's coming back. He's a he's a versatile dual threat running back. He even lines up uh, in the slot and an outside and an outside receiver at times. Um, but I don't. I'm actually not too high on his production as the lead back. And then their other guy is coming back is Marcus Major Jr., who's more of a short yardage power back type guy but they have two four-star freshman running backs. And not only are they four stars, but they're both top 10 in the class in Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes. Um, And when you have two four-stars who are in the top 10 running backs of the class, I I think that one of them will break out. I think more likely to be Barnes because he he came early and he's been going through spring practice, so he has more experience. Um, But I, I just... I think that one of them is going to break out. And so I
1: have Oklahoma at five. I'm going to go with Texas tech. I I think that when you have a duo coming back in, you know, Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick, uh, there's a lot of talent there, uh, but you're also having a whole new head coaching regime come in. Um, you have a new offensive coordinator coming in. Uh, when you look at this, I mean, Brooks is a guy, he's with 5'10", 220, you could consider that essentially small if you want to. Um, how can he hold up? But I think that's when you do the running back by committee. You alleviate some of the the wear and tear on your body if you're Brooke. So I think that that could benefit him. Because there's no doubt this dude is explosive. He gets loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, He's gone. Uh, you look at the past two seasons. He's rushed for 823 yards and 11 touchdowns. So I, I'm interested to see um, – and plus, there's a lot of work that Texas Tech has, needs to do on their offensive line. But given the track record, uh, given the fact that we know how Joey McGuire loves the running backs and, and is going to position them to be as successful, I'm going to ride with Taj Brooks at number five. Number four, who you got?
2: So at number four, um, this is it's kind of surprising to say, but I got Kansas. <laughs> I got Kansas. I think Jim and Neal. <laughs> really? Yes. Nice. So so they get Devin Neal back as a sophomore. And as a true freshman last year, he ran for 700 yards on four and a half yards per carry with eight rushing touchdowns. Those aren't in, insane numbers, but for a true freshman on Kansas, that, that's pretty good if you ask me. Um, and I think he'll take a jump this year from his freshman to sophomore season. And they also got two nice transfers. They, they brought in Kai Thomas from Minnesota and Savion Morrison from Nebraska who are both going to be redshirt sophomores um and in the 2020 class morrison was actually rated one spot ahead of baylor's tay mcwilliams and kai thomas was rated just three spots behind thomas was minnesota's leading rusher last season with over 800 yards on five yards of carry and in the bowl game against west virginia which is a big 12 team he had 21 carries for 144, 144 yards and a touchdown. So, so I think he'll be good as a number two back. And then Savion Morrison is another guy who's, who's talented. So that's a nice one, two, three punch right there.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's crazy when you think that we're talking about Kansas football players being in the mix, but man, I, I, they have a great quarterback. They have a great running back in Neil. It's just a matter of can you put the pieces around them? That That's always the – kind of going back to our previous segment when we were talking about the depth and, and building the depth, Kansas has really struggled to do that on the football field. Uh, you know, and you've gone through so many coaching changes. Uh, you've had guys come in where you, instead of really trying to build things up through recruiting, you went all in on bringing those JUCO guys, uh, which turned out to be a complete disaster and set their program back. Uh, but all things considered, when you look at Neil, man, I think if, if you could just get him a crease, a couple of creases, he's good enough to have Kansas, in the along with their offense, I think that they're good enough, sneaky good enough, to possibly upset some people. But I'm really interested to see what he can do coming out in this season. Uh, it, it's yeah. crazy that you had him at number four, too. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> number three, who are you working with?
2: I'm going with the Baylor Bears. We've talked about we've talked about this in a previous episode for a bit, but I just think that the running back room is so talented. Um, the coaching staff is great. They're running behind an incredible offensive line that's getting four or five starters back. Tate McWilliams is the guy I'm really high on. I think he'll end up being the lead back, kind of like Abram Smith was this year, and then they moved Josh Fleeks over. So I think either he or Squirrel Williams will be that secondary guy. Maybe they'll both get some touches in the in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, not too much more to say. Just, there's talent. They're running behind an incredible offensive line. There's good coaching. So I got Baylor number three.
1: I actually do too. And, you know, while we don't know exactly who the – I guess the, the vocal face of the running backs is going to be, um, I think when you give the experience of Squirrel – and I know he's coming off of injuries – um, but he's proven to be a dynamic running back. Uh, you have four of your five offensive line coming back, and we saw a breakout year last year from Abram Smith, who made that transition. And, you know, are you able to to have that same luck this year? I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Baylor can do. Um, I, I know that Coach Juice has those guys ready to roll, and when you see them in practice, they're locked in. Um, I, I'm interested to see – Are we going to see Jordan Jenkins get some reps this year? I mean, he's really the guy that Baylor would like to see step up and become running back one. I think he's the best fit for their system they have right now. And an intriguing piece, too, we kind of – when you talk Baylor running backs, I've noticed that, like, Quaylon Jones gets left out. Like, like people forget that he's there. And I understand he's had some issues in the past where – he needed to trim up. He's in the best shape of his life. I remember covering him when he was at high school, uh, so I've seen him progress throughout the years. Right now, he looks in the best health, the best shape he's been in. I just think when you have a, a full year under this offense to absorb the, and you have the the line coming back, Baylor is poised to have a breakout year. I just yeah,
2: I know Qu- Quaylen Jones is. Another talented guy, Jordan Jenkins is too. There, there's just so much talent in the running back room. I I don't think Baylor can go wrong.
1: I don't either. I, I really don't. Number two,
2: who you got? So can we do numbers one and two together? I feel like we have the same guys, probably. Yeah, let's let's go. All right, so it, it it's between Deuce Vaughn and and Bijan Robinson. It, it's got to be between those two. They're both potential Heisman finalists. They're both potentially going to be the best running back in the country. Um, Deuce Vaughn, I'm going to start with him. He had 1,400 rushing yards last year on six yards a carry, 18 rushing touchdowns, and he also had almost 50 catches, 49 catches for 470 yards and four receiving touchdowns. He was touted as the next Aaron Sproles coming in, and he, he has somehow certainly lived up to that hype so far. He's quick, shifty, great vision. Um, He can find holes. And he's short, but he uses that low center of balance to bounce off tacklers and and break tackles.
1: He's been one of my favorite running backs since he came out of high school. He was one of those dudes when he was coming out of Cedar Ridge and and Round Rock that was overlooked because of that stature. But a lot of times, man, if you have the talent and you get the right system, size don't Mm -hmm. matter. If you got speed and you can get through a hole and you can catch the ball as a running back. I mean, you're going to have breakout breakout career. Uh, And he's been the epitome of all of that. He is the ideal Kansas state running back. He's a carbon copy of Darren Sproles, essentially. And I, I just, I've been really amazed by what he's been able to do now. This year you bring in Adrian Martinez, a running quarterback. Do we see Kansas State go to more of an option offense, you know? That's, that's that a good could, point. They, that they could, could well that could open things up, man. Oh yeah. And if look, full disclosure here, I'm an LSU fan. I went to the Texas Bowl and I told my dad and my brother before the game, Deuce Vaughn's going to run all over the Tigers tonight. Yeah. And bro, he <laughs> Embarrassed LSU. It was unreal to watch. It was to be so fair, fun. LSU had a
2: bunch of players out. Yeah, but,
1: but I don't care. Like fully healthy, Deuce Vaughn is cold, and I think care. he is rightfully the number two. Uh, look, you mentioned it, number one. I think we both got Bijan. Why do you have Bijan? What is it about Bijan that made you put him at number one? So it's
2: funny. It wasn't actually Bijan that made me put him at number one. If it was just if it was just Bijan, I probably would have had Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson tied. I don't know who I would have had at number one. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy who who has also been great. He ran for 1,100 rushing yards on almost six yards a carry. He made some of a, somewhat of an impact in the passing game, almost 300 receiving yards. Um, he has the speed, the power, the elusiveness, and he's a solid receiver. But actually what what set Texas apart from Kansas State for me was because they have another five-star and Roshan Johnson is the backup. And if for some reason B. John Robinson gets hurt, he did last year in the Kansas game, um, they have another guy who can take over and Roshan Johnson was really good against K-State last year, he hit 180 yards and a touchdown. And then Kansas State just doesn't have a clear number two back.
1: They lost a couple backups. That look. I I, I think Bijan Robinson is the best single running back in the nation. I I think he's that special. Um, and you started to see him properly get used last year before he got hurt. I, I feel like his. I guess that would have been his sophomore season um, when under Tom Herman that. Texas relied on the legs of Sam Ellinger way too much when Bijan should have gotten a lot of those reps and you didn't see the numbers. You saw splashes of it when he would go in the game, get loose and, you know, break off long runs. Last year he started, you know, coming into his own a little bit more. You have a full offseason now, kind of like we were talking about with Baylor a while ago. Uh, you have a full understanding to coming in. I think you're going to see big things for Bijan this year. And you're right with it when it comes to Roshan because, I think if if you just go player per player as far as running backs, I think Johnson Johnson's probably the third best running back in the Big Twelve. He's that damn good. Honestly, yeah. he, he's that good, man. And and you add on the fact that you just added Jaden Blue to come in on campus as well. Um, you know, he foregoed – like like Quinn University forewent his his senior season. So he's been on campus. He's been getting those reps in practice for a while now. Uh, they're just so talented, the horns are, at the running back position as a group. Uh, but in particular, man, I, I, you don't really find many running backs that are more talented than B. John Robinson. I just, I just don't see it.
2: No, no, you don't. And I see why the experts always have Texas in the top ten every year. You got Quinn Ewers at quarterback, you got Bijan Robinson at running back. Just, like we're listing these teams, and you, Texas is at the top every time.
1: The crazy thing with that, though, is, and it's it's funny too, is Texas does a good job of getting all the talent, but they don't yeah. develop it. They don't yeah. develop it. Baylor. They'll get your three stars. They'll get players that are slept on or whatever. They develop the hell out of them. That's why they're winning championships, and Texas is a disaster. They cannot put it all yeah. together. It's just it's crazy to see, man.
2: Although the reason I think Texas actually will be kind of scary this year is because I don't think Quinn Ewers needs to be developed. I think he's already there. So I think that will take them to that next level. And – and be a good team in the Big 12.
1: That's a really good point. That is a very good point. Man, uh, Pernay, let everybody know where they can find you at right now on social media. And tell us a little bit about what you got coming up.
2: Yeah, so I am at Procurry on Twitter. That's that's where I do most of my social media work. Um, and I recently have an article out about Kendall Brown and how he translates to the NBA. I'll be doing a few more articles haven't haven't decided which topics yet but i'll be i'll have stuff coming out soon
1: And you can find, as far as me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Garrett Ross. Um, I'm going to have some one-on-one player profile articles coming up uh, going back to the last weekend uh, where Baylor had some players coming on campus for visits. Uh, So I'll let you hear uh, from Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, This is a kid from uh, Jasper who picked up an offer while he was on campus. Uh, So you'll hear from him. I also have one coming out. Uh, from Andrew T. Marsh. Uh, he's a player, a run, a cornerback receiver out of the new school from the KDISD school district, KD Jordan. They have a lot of talent there. Uh, so I'll be catching up with him. And I also will be working on, We ha- I put one out yesterday, where it was a look at some of the offensive players who were on campus. I'm going to do one as well with some of the defensive players, and that should be available tomorrow, man. But uh, that's going to do it for us. That's all the time we have today. Uh, We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you subscribing. Uh, And Just all your support. We couldn't do it without you. But for Pernay, I'm Garrett. This has been the Bears Illustrated Podcast.